So I'm Jen Patterson. I'm in Portland, Oregon, and um, I am Origami Story Club. <laughs> Let's see, my BFRB started when I was really little. I had like little bumps on my feet. I think they're, I don't know what they're from, um, like little sweat bubbles. And I love to itch and scratch at them. And they had like a little fluid so it could like, yeah, they were very exciting and itchy. <laughs> And then um, I developed, I was ignorantly blissful about like blackheads on my skin. I didn't, I was just like free for all child, like running in the, you know, making forts and playing. And then um, a neighbor of mine, um, a woman who I looked up to a lot, um, noticed that I had a lot of blackheads in my nose and gave me a facial, which I'm putting in quotes because she just squeezed the hell out of my nose. And um, from there on, she even left a scab on my nose. Like she definitely, um, she was no esthetician. Actually, she didn't leave a scab. I think I left that on my nose later, but it definitely was like, it hurt. And she just really went for it. And so then from there, I was just really fixated on like noticing pores and making sure they were clean. And um, I think that really that really escalated it for me, just really that hyper-focus on my skin. And then as an adult, I definitely, I didn't recognize it as hair pulling. Um, I always thought of it kind of more as skin picking, but having spots on my head um, that really bothered me, that was more skin picking, but my eyebrows getting super fixated on like certain hairs that just bugged the heck out of me. And, and this is funny because like I, I use tweezers. So since I did that, I didn't think of it as like a BFRB, which is like, now that cracks me up. But anyway, just, just that same, like super focus digging at, um, ingrown hairs on my legs, which then makes more ingrown hairs. And, but mostly skin picking has been my challenge. When did you find out that there was a name for this behavior you were doing? I wish I, I wish I was clear on that. I'm thinking like, you know, not internet searching. I had some pre-internet time. <laughs> I'm a little older, so I didn't have access to that. Um, you know, it started with dial-up, so there wasn't a lot of searching. But I think once I had more access to that, it started just learning that hair, that skin picking was a thing. So I think finding like other people who did, who were picking their skin. Um, and then I'm not sure when BFRB became like part of my vocabulary because it's been a while. So I'm grateful for that, that having that big category was helpful for me to kind of understand that, like, like to relate it to chewing my fingernails, which I forgot to say when I was a kid, I chewed my fingernails and my mom and my aunt, um, they're so sweet. And they offered me like, you stop chewing your fingernails, we'll get you these gold earrings from Costco. <laughs> I was like so motivated to get those gold earrings. And now I understand, you know, it just shifts from one thing to the other. So I think, you know, I, I did stop. I don't chew my fingernails, but, <laughs> you know, it just shifted to skin picking. When you were younger and you were experiencing skin picking, did anyone ever point it out? A couple of things I remember is one time I had squeezed so much that I ended up with a scab on my nose. And 
this really cool friend of mine, she, um, she like, she made up a story about why I had a scab on my nose and told other people. And it was before, like, she didn't ask me to do that. She just did it. And I remember like being really grateful because it was embarrassing. And, um, that just was like a nice moment. And then another time I was at community college and I was just in my, you know, my little studio apartment squeezing my nose. And I remember someone knocked on the door and I kind of didn't put together that my nose was really red and my face was probably really red. And I remember opening the door and this friend of mine was like, you could see this like worried look on his face. And that was, he didn't say anything, but oh, I just felt so embarrassed and and seen and not in a way I wanted to be seen in that moment. Sometimes I used to ask people, do you have any other BFRBs? And they're like, you know what, actually I do. And it's so funny because like you mentioned with your, you know, nail biting and then even with trick, I had moments as a teenager, you know, those hormones are coming in, acne's coming out and everywhere. And I found myself feeling the same, you know, trance-like state, the same sensations of like going in the mirror, sitting there for a long time. Yeah, it's so similar. And I think the other piece of, for me, there's like the super focused. I think my skin is that, has been that super focused, whereas other stuff like nail biting or even hair stuff has been more like, I don't even realize it's happening. When you were younger or even older, did you ever seek out therapy for your BFRB? Yeah. So the first time I, so I, I've been in therapy a lot, um, which I'm so grateful for. <laughs> So many different people along that my journey have been a help to me. And I remember the first counselor that I shared about, you know, squeezing blackheads and being kind of not able to stop that. And I remember he, he was so kind and he just kind of leaned in and he was like, oh, you mean like the little dots that we get on our noses? And he just said it like, it was so gentle, you know, and it just, um, it was a really nice moment because he didn't go into like, deeper meaning or you know what causes it he just like acknowledged like oh yeah there's these little dots on her nose and it was it was a sweet moment for me and then yeah I've definitely done other therapy along the way I um I worked with a coach with Annette Pasternak the the stop skin picking coach and um she I just am so grateful for the work I got to do with her I don't think I'm like her her case study. Cause I definitely, what I really got from our work together was just a lot of acceptance and a sense of empowerment that I hadn't really had before. Like feeling like I had tools. I had a whole new, a whole new bunch of tools that I could, could use. And I always had this sense before that, like if only I could work with someone and like really, really work on this, somebody who really knew about it and that was my experience was, you know, that, that sense of like, okay, if I, if I want to spend a lot of time focusing on recovery from this, I have that option. And I think I've tried to sort of choose a balance of like, I don't, there's other things in my life that feel really, really important. Like I want to challenge myself a lot. And if that means I pick a little bit more, I'd rather challenge myself to do things than not and you know like what would you call it like total abstinence is not my goal um my goal is to really like live my values while also doing my best to like use my skills and be mindful and I really use it as you know for me it's like a marker it's like the, the little you know like 
the little warning flag, like, oh, wait, oh my gosh, I'm picking right now. Um, and it became so prevalent for me <laughs> that even like early on, one marker or one thing I would notice, I would start picking or start scanning. It's like, I need to go use the bathroom. <laughs> like, that's how, you know, my body was experiencing a discomfort that like maybe other people go, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. Whereas for me, my first reaction was to start scanning my skin. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think that's probably what I've learned the most from therapy. I also, um, let's see, I, gosh, I don't know how long I worked with Annette. Maybe it's been like eight years, um, but like Three, four years ago, I did exposure and response prevention therapy. And that, again, that was just like more layers of awareness. And something I liked about that therapy was like, it's talking about, you know, it's just the opposite of avoiding. So like, you know, feeling the urge and like pushing into that feeling rather than like trying to not trying to shift it. It's sort of like, okay, I'm going to like bathe in this feeling and then what I learned from that is if I really like give myself permission to just like feel that after a while, I kind of get sick of it. It's like, it just kind of was like, like I, I could talk about it. I can draw about it. I'm just like letting myself feel that. Uck. And then it's like, okay, I'm kind of tired of this. Maybe I'm ready to do something else. And I learned that mostly from like another person sitting with me and like letting me really be there and not trying to move me out of that. I know for me growing up, a lot of the time I would explain to a therapist, oh, you know, I pull my hair out and I felt like I had to educate them. Yeah. It was very rare that I met someone who, who kind of knew what it was. I think I was first diagnosed with, um, you know, self-harm. That's what they first thought it was. Barbara, me too. Me too. So I, after my son was born, who's 17 now, I, um, I really struggled with everything. Um, but definitely skin picking also flared up really big. And, um, I ended up doing, um, an intensive outpatient program. And I just like in the last couple of years requested all my records from that. Cause I was, I went to graduate school and have my master's in counseling. And I was like, I would love to know what, like what their perspective was. And that's how they perceived my skin picking. They labeled it as self-harm because they didn't know about BFRBs. And I didn't either at that point, right? So I didn't have the words. So however I described it, that was their interpretation. They never told me that. Also, there's not one reference. I had two little kids, a, a three-year-old and a baby. It doesn't say one time in my chart that I'm parenting young children, which was like such a huge part of the stressors I was dealing with. So yeah, so they never said that, but it was interesting to look back and then that's the lens they were looking at me through and it, it kind of hurt, you know, to see that that's, I don't know, like they weren't seeing me in my whole experience. They were seeing me through like a different perspective. It's hard when they give you ways to manage or, or like the, you know, snapping the rubber band. Yep. Been there. Yeah. And it's just like, well, that that might make sense for something else, but like you're missing the fact that the sensation is what I like. Yeah. My, own, my own body, you know, it's really, it was hard. You don't really know what I'm doing. I definitely don't know. Cause I'm like what, 10 <laughs> years old. So I was gonna ask, so you were 10. When did you get the words, the word BFRB or, or trick? So trick, I, a trick I remember early on when I first went to therapy, 
um, like my mom found TLC. It was Trichotillomania Learning Center. Okay. So that's what they had first called it. And then I, I feel like BFRB, I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily recently, but like fairly recently. And it was, yeah, really focused on hair pulling. And mm-hmm. yeah, and it's, it is interesting too, the nuance. Like um, I uh, co-facilitate uh, it's moms with BFRB's group. And it's, it's interesting because it's, you know, it's not just moms that pull hair or moms that pick skin, but it, uh, something I really liked about your book, actually, Barbara, is like most of the kids that I work with in my clubs pull their hair. And my hunch is there's just as many skin kids picking their skin, but I think parents notice the hair pulling and they also get more scared about it than they would with fingernail chewing or skin picking. And so when I read your book, it was really helpful for me because I just to like understand more what it might feel like. Like I know what urges feel like. I know what the sense of like, I want to stop this and I can't. I know the sense of being embarrassed or feeling ashamed or other people noticing, but there were some things I learned from reading your book of like, like just talking about the different sensations and, and some of the rituals I thought, I don't know if that's the right word that you would use, but um, I just, it was really helpful to me. And then, you know, my hope, the other part of my business is to help parents because I started, I really just wanted to work with kids. And then when I started working with them more, it's like, oh, their parents need support. You know, their parents are hurting and their parents, they really want to be helpful and they don't know how, and they need help to soothe themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so anyway, so your book was really helpful and just like, for me to understand, and I already get skin picking. So that's like, whoa, the parents who don't have this experience, like, what can help them really get that inside sense of what it might feel like and how complex it is. Thank you so much. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about Origami Story Club. Yeah, so it started out, I've always loved origami and spending time with kids and stories. So it was really natural for me. I had like, you know, my own little clubs here at my house. It used to just be called origami clubs. Uh, My daughter was one of the first members and some of her friends So it's been kind of an institution, lots of neighbor kids and, you know, I'd pick kids up after school. So when the pandemic started, these friends who, you know, my neighbor kids and and friends, little, you know, kid friends who would come over, suddenly I wasn't seeing them. And I decided to try over Zoom, which I was skeptical. Like, how can you, this very hands-on activity, how can I do that over Zoom? But um, I started to figure it out. I got my, you know, my overhead camera and started to get my you know, my, my style down. And, and then someone said, you know, you should, you should do this as a business. And I, I liked that idea, but I didn't want it to just be for the general population. I really wanted it to be similar to what I had been doing is for kids that are extra special to me, you know, kids that I'm close with. And I thought it just became so clear. This should be for kids with BFRBs. So I started this wacky idea. It, it became Origami Story Club. I was thrilled to get the that URL. <laughs> I was like, nobody else has it. And yeah, and then I donated my first clubs to the TLC because I had absolutely no idea how to get the word out. You know, like, how am I going to advertise this obscure thing to this audience that, you know, the awareness is limited that this is even an issue. And and so, yeah, so I started with them. I, I think I donated three clubs. It was like three week little sessions. And um, I had a 
good amount of those kids sign up then to keep doing the clubs and it's just evolved from there. I still kind of have to pinch myself that I'm doing this thing that I dreamed of, you know? How do we get to the club? How do we join the club? Yeah, so uh, origamistoryclub.com. That'll take you to a nice page that describes more about the clubs. And then I have a freebie that I think would be really fun um, for kids, for kids and parents. I think also for other adults with a BFRB. And that's, it's a mini club. So to access that, it's origamistoryclub.com backslash mini club. And, um, you know, that's just a chance to, to, get a feel for what I offer and also participate, you know, be active and experience um, some of that joy and some of the relief. Cause I feel like so much of our challenge with BFRBs and definitely with parents is just having it take over so much of our brains, you know, the worry about it, the trying to solve it, the trying to hide it. Um, and so, yeah, so my clubs are a chance for people to, to have a break but also community, which is, I think, vital to to my own recovery is other people. Thank you, Barbara. Um, other people who are talking about it and who are living life fully, right? Who aren't, that's, there's way more about you that's really interesting, right? But this is a part that you're willing to share so that then other people, maybe it can take up a little less space in their brain. In therapy, when I first started going and, and just a lot of the tactics, basically the idea was if you don't stop, you're not doing a good job. Hmm. And like, this is it. Like, it's either all or nothing. You you have to stop pulling. It's very bad for you. Stop doing that. And so for most of my life, I struggled with the idea of just like, wow, I just am the worst person ever. Like, I just am not ever going to stop. I'm horrible. This is the worst. Um, and then it took me just kind of thinking to myself, like, why do I feel so bad about myself? Like, why, you know, I want to change this narrative. How did you get to that point where you said, you know what, I'm not going to beat myself up anymore over it? Mm. The work with Annette was huge. Just recognizing how beating myself up and being hard on myself was not helping it. It wasn't helping. <laughs> so I think that awareness, I think life experience, you know, moving through life. I had this idea when I was younger that I can only accomplish things or be successful if this stops, if my, you know, if the skin picking is just not a thing. And so I think realizing like, no, this is a part of my experience and I can continue to, to challenge myself and do cool things. And the skin picking can be, you know, kind of riding along, along for the ride, but it doesn't have to stop me from doing important things. So I I would just think experience, you know, actually experiencing that, like getting to do these cool things and then going, oh yeah, I picked a little, but like, whatever, you know? And I think that all or none, I think that black and white is really, I mean, I think just people struggle with that, but I think living with the BFRB really, I don't know, I think that's a really strong way of thinking. And how I've been talking about it more with parents is parents want an on-off switch. You know, we, they fill out my like intake questionnaire. It's like, you know, what are you hoping from this? How to get my kid to stop? And of course. Right. And it's like, well, I can't, I can't, there's not an on and off switch. There's no magic wand, but what I can support with and even with myself is upping the odds. What are things I can do to up the odds that it's going to be less of a challenge. And so, you know, there's so many great tools and so many supports and so many ways I can self-soothe and 
take care of myself. But none of that is like a check, you know, like, okay, I did, I do the following 10 little check boxes and now it stops. It's like, no, I'm just going to up the odds so that Jason, um, you talked about this, like how, you know, all the things it's still there, but you're just making it less and less likely that it's going to be as big of a challenge. And I really, I like that because I think, you know, for, for kids, it's just like, they want it to stop. Gosh, you know, please, if they could figure it out. Um, so also trying to help them make that switch from, you know, it's not an all or none. It's not like all success or all failure. Like I could be pick free, but actually doing terrible in my life, you know, <laughs> like not really, not really accomplishing things or not enjoying life. Um, and so, you know, really trying to shift out of that like success or failure, all or none thing, I think is really has helped me. And then I really want to share that with other people. And I think like if somebody had just told me that early on, I wouldn't have heard it. Right. And we're like, okay, whatever, what do I need to do? <laughs> but I think hearing that more and having, you know, my peers hearing it from other people with this experience helps me believe it. Because there's still always a part of me that just wants to <laughs> be completely gone that kind of magical thinking part, right? It's always going to be there, but I also want to, want to dial that part of me down too. You know, it's like, that's, mm -hmm. life doesn't work that way for anything. Now that I am more visible with my trick, people might think, oh, she's having a hard time, but no, I feel really good. Like I'm the, I feel the best I've ever felt. Yeah. It's not a direct suck. Like I mm -hmm. think, you know, sometimes, yeah, I am more stressed or I'm sick or there are things that definitely increase it, but it's, it's not a direct correlation. And I think even just that awareness within ourselves, I also, it's so interesting you're talking about like, now that you're talking to people about it and really public about it. And I just think at first, how impossible that felt. And that's another part that it's like, actually it's so freeing and it's, the more I do it, it makes me think of Lauren McKinney from Picking Me and how like her branding is polka dots right like she's like that talk about moving into the discomfort it's like with skin picking I would never wear red and I would never wear polka dots and she's like red polka dots is her whole branding and I think it's that same thing it's like let's just push into this and and how amazing is she right like mm -hmm. you know here she is she's this amazing advocate that so many people look up to and so yeah there's just something about that something that happened um early on and, and when I donated those clubs to the TLC, my idea was like, okay, the kids are kind of going to know that everyone has a BFRB here because, you know, it's through the TLC, their parents told them. So I did the clubs, you know, I did my silly check-in, you know, if you were an animal today, what animal would you want to be and share the story and we fold and do a little, you know, I don't know, some little dance party at the end. And so it was a three club session. And at the end of the third one, this one brave girl raised her hand and said, um, do you think we could share like about our BFRB? <laughs> it was, it was like the, the whole light bulb went on for me. Like I was, I didn't want to make that uncomfortable by talking about it. I didn't want it. I just wanted it to be this fun experience, but and they, they need that fun experience, but they also needed the option to talk about their BFRB. And I, and of course, then ever since then, we, that's always an option. I'll do check-ins, like 
you know, we'll start out um, saying for the first check-in, everyone here, you know, has a BFRB and I just always describe, you know, hair pulling or fingernail or skin picking. And so for the check-in, I'll say, if you want to share what your BFRB is, you can. Um, and then also, also share something else that's interesting about you. So I'm just like putting it in there to start with. Some kids just jump in and they want to talk about it. Other kids, they're not, that's, that's not what they're up for, but they're hearing me talk about it. And even better, they're hearing the other kids. And so then it's like, even if they're not ready to speak about it, they're just starting to get some language, some experience of people talking about it. And I think it's always just exciting. I, there's a girl that um, she's been in my clubs for like two years and she never, ever, ever wanted to talk about it. I mean, she just didn't. I, you know, it was no big deal. I pass is always an option. And, and then just recently she started talking about it and it's like, okay, like, it's just cool. Like to see, you know, now she has a lot more words for it. Someone gave her advice to um, that she could wear eyebrow tattoos. And she just said, why would I want to do that? Like just very, you know, so her experience is really different with it. I think her out in the world, she doesn't care if people notice she doesn't have eyebrows, but she wasn't ready to talk about it. So it's like some people would be, you know, can talk about it, but would be mortified if people notice. So I think for kids and adults, just to have that opportunity to see all the different ways people experience this is really, it's just helpful, right? Like, mm -hmm. especially early on when we feel like we're the only one. And this is like this unique thing that only, this uniquely terrible thing that only we're experiencing. It's like, oh, there's other people and they get it. And like, yeah, I'm special, but I'm not <laughs> like the only one, you know? Do you remember when you first met someone who also had skin picking? I think the first time someone told me was I was getting a facial, which I love to get facials. Keep, you know, keep my, wanted to keep my skin clear. And the woman, this is my second bad facial experience. She really, like, I left pretty red, you know, from her doing extractions. It was like, maybe not the soothing experience. Uh, but she told me, I said, yeah, you know, I, I kind of pick up my skin. And she said, I do too. <laughs> There's something powerful about having it for me about having a name for it. That's like, I, I do peer support. And, and sometimes, you know, it's like other people give us labels, you know, give us a diagnosis or, and, and sometimes that just doesn't fit our experience. Like for me being, you know, them back in the day, seeing it as self-harm. But with this experience, having the label and the name has been very empowering. And it, yeah, kind of like connecting to other people. A hope that I have is that more and more people can learn about it, especially people in education and definitely physicians, so that they can be really helpful and not shaming and not oversimplifying. And that's, I don't know, like, I'd love to figure out how to make that happen more. I think the more people like you and, and me, like the more we can keep talking about it, I feel like we're getting closer to that. I, I don't know. It feels like we're kind of on the verge of that being, being the, you know, how it'll be in the future. Is it, oh yeah, that's what this is, you know? And you said, made me think of, oh, I got to do, I, I hosted an origami story club for this peer um, training. So it was for adults. And as part of it, I, um, first it was peer supports rather, sorry. So as part of the training or part of my workshop, I also taught about BFRBs like within it. And um, 
afterwards, two different people came up to me and said, this is something I've struggled with my whole life. And I've never known another person or heard anyone talk about it. And yeah, it felt so powerful. And then in the origami community, so I get to be part of these two communities, right? In the origami community, there's been one person who said, yeah, I, I pull my hair um, and they haven't been ready to talk about it publicly. And then another person, I, I, I'm almost positive she pulls her hair and, but, and she, she always comment, you know, she, it's like, we have this nice connection and I just, um, I'm hopeful, you know, that she'll be able to reach out. And something I really want to do in the future is the origami story clubs for adults with BFRBs, because we, you know, we all could use that rest, that like place of playfulness and kind of cozy. And I also, I just love hanging out with people with BFRBs because I feel like there's this, there's just this common kindness that I, I tend to see kindness anyway out in the world but I really see it in this community. And, and I think sometimes that kindness comes with some costs, you know, some challenges and extra needs to comfort ourselves. So it makes sense to me that people who are really kind and really sensitive, that this is a challenge. I also, on the flip side of that, someone told me one time that, that I was born into a race car, that I was like a race car and that, my challenge was that I, I didn't know how to drive a race car. And that once I learned to, I was going to have a race car. And that that was a counselor early on. And I, I am so grateful for that compliment or that, that awareness. And I think, again, people with BFRBs, there's this flip side, that sensitivity and kindness, um, the challenges of that. But there's also... The other aspect is, you know, this brilliance and this kindness. Oh, also brilliant hands. I mean, just think of the skill and which is why origami makes so much sense to me. Like the keen observation, the ability to focus and to, you know, to use these brilliant hands, um, which also is part of, you know, coaching parents is like reminding them that, you know, it's very likely that their their children are pretty brilliant <laughs> and that the sensitivity is is also a superpower. So um, I'm so grateful that I got that like early on that thinking and it was kind of like a challenge to me like, okay, let's figure this out <laughs> and a confidence builder too because I think um, just experiencing lots of anxiety left me feeling like I wasn't courageous when actually I was, I was living with a lot of courage just to be out in the world, which I think, you know, for kids and everybody with a BFRB, sometimes it takes a lot of times, it takes a lot of courage to be out in the world, you know, with spots and missing hair and, and to still put ourselves out there that there's a, an amount of courage that we have to tap into. That's pretty amazing, right? That's again, that's part of that those strengths that we don't sometimes give ourselves credit for. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Trick Talks. Did you know that I offer a Trichotillomania online course? My course is called Sharing Our Stories. In it, we do a deep dive into your relationship with trichotillomania by using my guided journal, My Trickster Diaries, as our workbook. We also complete empowering activities and have a bi-weekly support group so that you can meet others in the community.
As a gift to you, please use promo code TRICKTALKS25 to receive 25% off the five session package. You can access this promotion and learn more at barbaralally.com. Thank you, and I can't wait to start your journey to self-love and self-acceptance with Trichotillomania. Thank you.